Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today, you're talking about your most memorable gaming moments. We had over 50 people send in their stories, and we've each selected three to share. We might have a few honorable mentions as well. But first, as always, a thank you to our patron friends of the show, Adam Harrison and the SJC, and welcome to our newest patrons, Weatherman Keefe and Nicholas Lotz. And thank you to all of our other patrons as well. So we have two new patrons, partly because it's been two weeks since our last episode. And Kitty, you care to explain? Yeah, explain yourself. <laughs> so it started out as Chris's fault. It First did. it was Chris's fault. Yes. Um, but then it became my fault because <laughs> uh, I thought I could do things. But um, the Chicago sports teams and life uh, stopped me from being able to accomplish my dreams. Yes. So, yeah, I was we were planning on recording before I went on our cruise and something came up where I wasn't able to do that. And then I'm like, well, I'll just leave a little blurb and say, you know, we're going to skip this week. And he's like, no, 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 no. I can do an episode. I got this. And I said, OK, I couldn't. I couldn't do an episode. <laughs> I didn't got this. <laughs> well, Kitty, but you messaged week, me. I am going above and beyond. I know. I messaged you like, hey, what are you doing right now? Nothing. What are you doing right now? You want to record? (laughs) I was like, I'm not at Well, Spencer was already a no. Yeah, it was already too late. We'd already gone too far. (laughs) Yeah. But I have gone above and beyond this week. You have. Because now you are in London right now. I am in London. I am in my hotel room. London, Massachusetts. At. (laughs) (laughs) No, I am across the pond. As they say, um, That's exactly I've been how they here say too. for, uh, gosh, we landed. So I've been here probably 14 hours. I'm extremely jet lagged. I've taken a really satisfying nap. And uh, yeah, I'm ready to do this. I've got um, a caffeinated drink and a not caffeinated drink that I'm alternating between. And it's gonna be great. So <laughs> upper and downer, all good. Yeah, yeah. I got back from our cruise yesterday. Uh, everything was planned perfect. The ship was going to get in. We were going to get to the airport, leave at 1130, be back by like one or two on Saturday. And we all we got on the plane. And this is the first time where I've actually been deboarded from a delay. Usually just they just make Ugh. you sit on the plane for three or four hours. And they're like, well, we have a maintenance issue and we need to turn the power off. So it's just going to become a sauna in here. So everyone off the Oof. plane, take everything with you. So wow. yuck. Yep. Turned out to be a three hour delay, but we still got back relatively early. And, and I like having the at least one day before going back to work to decompress. So we're good. But yeah, we haven't done, I don't think I've done a podcast in two weeks because we also yeah. skipped the news, which I did put a little blurb on for the news at least. And I put out a blurb to our listeners. I even got an email back from one of our listeners saying, thank you. You didn't have to put out a blurb. So. <laughs> You know, I just put it up a little bit late. <laughs> it was nice. So, but now we are back and we're in full swing and we are hoping that you guys did all the preparation for us because I took before Kitty said we did the show notes before this and we did. And I took all of the stories and put them into one big document. And then our mission was to read them all and then mark three that we liked the best. So we did not do much editing. And actually, I would say, practically no editing for readability. So we will try to do that in real time. Um, the th- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The thing with reading 
stories, reading emails especially, is typos sometimes confuse things. So we want to get rid of the typos before. But then how you write something and how you read something tend to be a little different at times. So we'll oftentimes edit those things. We didn't do any of that here. So you're getting raw or in real time, we will fix things stories. And then we are also going to share some of our most memorable moments, but we're going to save that until the end. So you have to listen to everybody else before you get to listen to ours. And ours are probably are going to fall really flat after some of these stories because <laughs> these are really good. We get some really good stories. We have great listeners. We do. We do. Speaking of great listeners, I did want to throw a little bit of feedback at the beginning here because it's kind of it. it's feedback on our Fun Revisited episode, but it also sort of leads into a lot of these stories. So I just wanted to quickly do some feedback from uh, David Garner. So he says, your fun revisited podcast put me in the mindset of a talk online. I watched a long time. See, this is what happens when I don't edit these for readability. This was written well. This was when you can't read. <laughs> I, I, fine. Um, I've been on vacation with a drink package for seven days. Your fun revisited podcast put me in mind of a talk online I watched by a long-distance walker called Andrew Skurka. He says you can split fun into three types. Whilst he's walking about, walking it... I don't think this is written right. <laughs> well, he's talking... No, oh, he's talking about right walking... It <laughs> anyway, type one of fun. I'm just going to jump right to that. He says, <laughs> there are things that are fun to do and fun to talk about. Think about the most fun gaming session you ever had. It was great fun in the moment, and you had a great fun talking about it afterwards. He says type two fun is not fun to do, but fun to talk about afterwards. He says, I guess this is a recent, or well, like a Forge World experience. I don't know what Forge World is, but where you did badly in a game. I think he means Keyforge. Right. Oh, Keyforge. That might have been it. But where you did badly. Yeah, bad- this was our Keyforge experience. Yes. Where you did badly in a game, and it wasn't fun while you were playing it, but reminiscing afterwards makes it fun. So that's your type two fun. And then your type three fun is not fun to do and not fun to talk about afterwards, ever. And he says, maybe that time there was a massive argument during the game. People stormed off. No one talks about it. Let's just forget it ever happened, ever. Definitely type three fun. Now, I'm not sure that that counts as... I don't think that's fun. fun. <laughs> I don't think it counts as fun. So type three fun I means I think it's not when fun. you try to have fun and fail. <laughs> so you... Oh, that's... Actually, that can lead to a lot of vacations, too. It's like, it's, this vacation, well, our cruise was amazing. We had amazing, I played games pretty much every single day, except for the last day where we're like, we should do some cruise stuff. But there has been plenty of vacations where I'm like, this is going to be so much fun, and it just becomes so much work that you try to make it fun in retrospect. I guess you tell your friends, like, no, I had a great time. It was awesome. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I should have just stayed home and slept for seven days. It would have been better. That's type three fun. So... Hibernation. <laughs> Hibernation. <laughs> I ate so much food. I'm never getting a drink package on a cruise again. It just obligates you to order and have a drink all the time. I feel like I've heard you say this before. Yeah, but this time I wrote myself a note and said, hey, next cruise, <laughs> don't do a drink package. Just put a budget on the card. And when it's done, it's done. And anything you get to keep afterwards, buy board games. It's going to work. All right, so should we do some of these stories? Because we are a week late, and we've promised people that we're going to read some stories. Also, I will say, there are more great stories here than we could have possibly 
output in an hour. And I say that, and oftentimes these these episodes tend to be a little bit shorter. But I'm reserving the right to share some of these on future episodes as well, just because they're awesome. No compensation. You've sent me all rights to these stories. <laughs> Those are Chris's um, stories now. They're no longer they're, your memories. They're my memories. Aren't there like a dozen 1990s sci-fi movies to that effect? Isn't Total Recall like that? Yeah. I'm just going to plant these stories in my memories. I don't think that's how it worked, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> Get your ass to Mars. Yeah. Um, all right. So I told you guys I was going to do these in order, but I lied. You're going to do your first two first, and then I'm going to do mine because I've already been talking too much. Okay. Uh, is it me then? It's yeah, you. Yeah, it's Kitty. You go first. Yeah. Okay. So this is from Christopher Miller. This is the story of my transition into gaming, my realization that I needed someone to game with, and the finding of that person in my wife. I had long been familiar with some gateway games. At my church, we have a potluck once a month, and it was customary for some of the young guys to play games afterwards. We would play games until sometimes 7, 8, even 9 at night. In the early days, we played Monopoly, the Game of Life, the Farming Game, and others of that ilk. But then came Catan, and soon our sessions were consisting of Catan plus Expansions, Empire Builder, Carcassonne, Seven Wonders, Puerto Rico, and the like. None of these games were mine, and that was okay, because I didn't have anyone to play them with at home. So I didn't need games. However, in the fullness of time, I wed the love of my life. She is a wonderful person. I both admire and love her, but she didn't really enjoy learning or playing games. I didn't see this as too huge a character flaw. All my life, all my life, I hadn't really had gaming partners at home. Surely I didn't need one just because I was married. My friends and I continued to play every potluck Sunday at the church house, and that was all I needed. But then July of 2016 rolled around. My wife and I were at a family reunion, and my cousin brought a lot of games to the reunion. He brought games I had never heard of, as well as games I'd heard of or but never seen or had a chance to play. I don't remember what all we played over those days, but I remember him bringing out FIF France 1429 to the table. We played a five-player game of it, and I won. We played for hours, and I got the three victory points I needed for the win. I accomplished this without an alliance, and up until that point, it was one of the meatiest, most thematic games I had ever played. I was floored at the story that emerged, and I remember many things that happened in that game over three years ago. I count myself as hooked from that time on. Now, I needed to hook my lovely wife but I needed to acquire and play some good games with her. I began talking about games. I told her some games I wanted to buy, and this was all to prepare her for the boxes that I expected to already begin to arrive. But before I brought any before I brought any games, she brought Dominion. One of my favorite memories is my wife looking up from a game of Dominion after our first play and seeing a certain glint in her eye. She continues to not like the process of learning new games, but she realized it's worth learning new games. I have a beautiful person to game with for the rest of my life. I'm really glad that story didn't end in, so I divorced my wife and found someone who wanted to, I know. to play games. <laughs> I was like, expecting no, that to go. you think I would have picked that one? I didn't see this I as a huge a good... character flaw at the time, but then later I realized this is a huge character flaw. <laughs> I realized my mistake. No, I I think these we had a number of stories where like the most memorable gaming moments were like the first time. And this one is more or less like, okay, so Christopher liked games, but this is the first time where his wife's like, Oh, these actually can be fun. I'm let's let's do this. So I like this is a good one. Nice. I really pick. enjoyed it. Nice pick, Kitty. Nice pick. All right, Fletcher, you are next. All right, this one is from Jesse Wilkowiak. It was a dark and stormy night in New Hampshire. My friends Tommy, Dylan, and I were playing Mansions of Madness 1st Edition. Tommy was the keeper, and Dylan and I were the investigators. 
As you may know, it takes quite a bit of time to set up the game, about 45 minutes or longer. We started playing the game, and Dylan and I are in the foyer. Based on the clues, we were supposed to venture elsewhere in the mansion to proceed in the story. Dylan says to me, Jesse, I'm really hungry. I'm going to investigate the kitchen. I tell him, <laughs> let's not go to the kitchen. The clues are pointing us elsewhere. He insists on wanting to go to the kitchen, and he went off. And off he went. I continued exploring the mansion, and I wanted to make sure that he was going to get his full experience. Like, who am I to tell him how to live his life? <laughs> his turn comes back up, and he is given the option to open the fridge and search it, or do nothing. He says, I'm just going to go on ahead and get myself a treat. I tell him, no, don't open the fridge. I had no idea what was about to happen. He opens the fridge. Ithaca. Is that how you pronounce that? I- Ithaca? Ithaca? I, I say Ithaca. Ithaca. Yeah. Ithaca appears and devours us all. Tommy wins. <laughs> For as long as it took to set up the game, it was over in about five minutes. This happened in early 2016, and I still laugh about it to this day. I picked I pick this one because this one totally resonated with me. Like, I remember yes. playing... <laughs> mansions of madness and and just the amount of setup it takes to play to play that game and just have it like end in like five minutes if that happened to me on my first play of the game i probably wouldn't ever play that game again (laughs) (laughs) well and people talk about apps and app assisted games and stuff but mansions of madness 2 that basically turns removes the keeper so it's not a one versus many it's many versus the app it streamlines so much of this because you don't set up anything until the app tells you to and it tells you exactly what to grab when to grab it and it just it fixes a lot of what happens here however had that been the the case then you know this story would have never happened and you wouldn't be able to look back and be like okay we spent an hour setting this game up we played for five minutes because you wanted a sandwich yeah (laughs) but i do like the fact that he was in character all right my first one is from I I'm there's not two T's so I don't think it's pronounced ditto I think it's Dido Dito Dito um and he's from Indonesia which I visited once and it's a very nice place to visit as long as you get away from the touristy areas the touristy areas are touristy but he says regarding a memorable gaming experience I guess for me it's more how board games help me and my friends find activities to do together on a regular basis since we all live in a small town it's nothing much there's nothing much to do here the cinema and shopping malls are not exactly great until recently and cafes are not great either so the story begins when I just came back from Melbourne after finishing my bachelor's degree. I went back home and decided to help my parents running the family business. Being away from my town for so many years has been quite a shock for me to go back home. Imagine living in Melbourne and you suddenly you have to go live in a small town with a small cinema with two studios in it. No McDonald's, no Starbucks. That no McDonald's or Starbucks? I don't know where you live, but <laughs> anyway, thankfully... Indonesia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Indonesia's really nice. Um, thankfully, he says this. He he mentioned before, like this is a small town that you couldn't actually find on the map. And he the name of the town is Pekalongan. Pekalongan. No. Yeah. <laughs> Spelled just Closer. like I pr- pronounced it. <laughs> He continues, thankfully, I still kept in touch with a couple good friends back from my junior high. We hang out together again, but sometimes we find the lack of entertainment annoying. Everyone plays with their own phone all the time. Then it came to mind, my old munchkin from Melbourne has not been played for a while. So on the next Saturday night, we met up, brought it out, and taught them. It's not exactly a smooth experience at first, mainly due to the language barrier, but eventually, they're all really enjoying it. 
A couple dozen of games afterwards, I bought out Bang the Card Game, and they're even more interested. And the addiction starts to spread out as I introduce them to King of Tokyo, Coup, Codenames, etc. I guess I'm the Chris in the group. Jump forward two years later to this day, and I'm proud to say that we're still playing, playing some of the most popular games from the past two to three years. They managed to conquer the language barrier, to a certain extent, and learn Terraforming Mars, Gloomhaven, Scythe, Seventh Continent, Mechs vs. Minions, Great Western Trail, Root, etc. I can't be thankful enough for board games to bring such joy to our group, bringing us together and talking bleep to each other, rather than stuck, <laughs> <laughs> sticking our eyes on our phones when we are hanging out. I guess for me, I am personally thankful for having this wonderful hobby that ties people together. I'm probably one of the few board gamers in our town, but now I vow that I will spread the hobby to everyone that I can think of who might be interested. I really, really like this one a lot, mostly because you see it all the time. And it's, I mean, I do it too. I'm in what? I'm in my 40s and we'll be hanging out. We'll be staring at our phones. When I was a teenager, we didn't have phones to stare at. You know, that just (laughs) wasn't a thing. And it, we've kind of you broken. Phones to stare at. <laughs> they just weren't very interesting. It was a payphone on a wall, like a literal payphone that you had to drop a quarter in to use. So yeah, I didn't really have phones until I was when I was twenty. I got a razor. Yeah, but so we've kind of gotten to the point where that that is our default thing, and everyone just having their phones and looking at them are their their thing. But for some reason, it was never a rule that we made. It was just one of those things that when we're playing games, the phone is essentially put away. Unless someone gets like a text message or something that they need to respond to. But otherwise, you're paying attention to who's there and you're really far more engaged with them. And I really like this. Like, and the other thing I really like about this is they went from gateway party games to like some really hardcore big stuff, you know? So I, 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 this is my favorite one. Well, favorite uh, one so far that I've picked. Before we, uh, (laughs) we get too far, I don't know if we have a lot of Australian listeners, but. The name of the city is pronounced Melbourne. What? Not Melbourne. Are you sure? Yes. Hmm. Am I the only person that spells it, that pronounces it the way it's spelled? No. No, everyone in America everyone says in it America that way. Everyone in America pronounces it that way. Yeah. But I lived in Australia for six months, and All it's right. pronounced But it would Melbourne. be like um, St. Illinois. Yeah. It's the same It's the same thing with, uh, like... Louisville? Well, also the other city... Well, there's lots of cities in Australia, obviously, <laughs> but like uh, Brisbane... You pronounce it instead of like Brisbane or something. Brisbane. It's, it's that like one I think Brisbane. America has picked up on, though, yeah. for some reason. Yeah. And so Melbourne is Melbourne. <laughs> well, in my defense, this is not spelled Melbourne. No, it's not. <laughs> but that's how you pronounce it. Fair enough. But Illinois is not spelled Illinois. It is spelled Illinois because there's plural of them. <laughs> yep. All right, Kitty, what does Steve have to tell us? All right. Steve says, I was running a single session RPG game that is not cooperative for the par- or the players. Uh, the best part is that everyone has their own map and the only information that their character would actually, only the information their character would actually have. It's called The Artifact by Print and Play Games. And it is an amazing experience. That's what adding it to it our print and, play, um, print and Play Games Revisited <laughs> podcast. The list that we still haven't touched. Hey, I still have Tiny Forming Mars right (laughs) next to me, but I've interrupted rudely Steve's story. (laughs) 
All right. So he says it is set in space on a spaceship, and the spaceship has a shield to prevent people from leaving. When the space pirate retrieved the item he thought was the treasure, he ran to his small ship and manned the guns and started shooting at the portion of the ship that had the shield generator trapping him. Then everyone else heard the ship was under fire, and they all independently decided that the safest place on the ship was the engineering bay, where the shield was being generated. This was despite the pirate sending an all-hands message that he was shooting at the engineering bay for safety reasons. So the space pirate, who tried to play a legitimate businessman and tried not to hurt anyone, accidentally killed everyone else and escaped with a fake treasure worth nothing. It was awesome. The distrust and lack of information in this game makes people do the most hilarious things. My favorite role-playing experience ever. This whole so- this is what social deduction should be to me. No one trusts each other. There is actual information to look at to try to guess other people's motives. But you never know how much information anyone else has about you or how much information you have is just for show. Priceless. I think that these hidden information social deduction games have the highest potential to create lasting memories because it's real emotions are involved. I think this just sounds so funny. Everyone seeing the message and then doing the exact opposite and just running. like, And you can't blame him after that when he murders everyone. And the fake treasure, so good. All the elements of the story just add up to how can you not be talking about it years later? And this is actually, so this is a print-and-play role-playing game, which honestly just means it's a PDF, which is how we do most role-playing games these days anyway, I might have to check this one out because it sounds like it could be a fun convention thing or just like a fun let's get together and have a one-off night thing. All right, I'm in. Fletcher, what does Michael Yanikowski have to say with us? Okay, so Michael Yanikowski writes, "This This moment occurred back in the 1970s. I was in college and living in a dorm at the University of Wisconsin Madison. I purchased a copy of Star Trek Battles. It was a book with sheets of Star Trek spaceships and resource trackers. We had to cut out the ships and glue them to cardboard. The game played like miniatures, but on a large scale. You could be the Enterprise, Klingons, Romulans, and a few other species. The ships had protractors around the outside of the ship and monofilament fishing line in the center of the ship. You'd use the fishing line to measure the angles for turning when moving and for firing weapons. To play, we had to use the the dorm room floor as our play area. We played in the room, but at times we had to play in the common room or in the halls. So we were moving our Star Trek ship on the floor while people were walking around us. We had to track our speeds, damage on ships, and weapons used. This was before modern board games existed, but we had fun, and we also got the occasional bystander to play. So this to me really reminds me of when I was playing, um, it was like another miniatures game also in college called like Pirates. I think I spoke about it once before on the, po- yeah. on the podcast and it reminded me a lot of that. And of course the Star Trek themed and I just love the idea of like, you know, college kids out, like not only in the dorm room, but in the common areas with the halls with like people walking by thinking like, what the hell is going on with these guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, especially in the seventies where like sci-fi wasn't really a big thing like star trek was popular but not it was known of but it wasn't that popular right, this is, just why this it was is canceled the in two and a half series. seasons so like yeah and you know protractors and fishing line and you're trying to simulate <laughs> things as much as you can and you're like measuring angles like can you imagine we don't do measuring angles anymore these days we do oh and here's your here's a a piece of cardboard that you lay down and this is what covers the different areas and stuff 
Granted, that is a better, faster way of doing things, and it's more approachable to people who are like, uh, I couldn't tell you what a 30-degree angle looked like to save my life. But it all started with this kind of stuff. And it's, yeah, I don't know. This stuff is cool. Also, Michael, you look great for being in college in the 70s. We've, we've seen you, let's see, at a couple Gen Con shows, right? Yeah. The Buffalo Wild Wings once. <laughs> Your first favorite um, restaurant. But yeah, I would not have put... <laughs> I, I, it is my favorite restaurant, especially at Gen Con, because it's like two blocks away and it's never busy. So you can just kind of take over the tables. Also, the service that year was the worst was so service I'd ever gotten. Oh, so bad. But we played some sort of Marvel game and that All was right. really fun. Oh, right. It was um five minute Marvel, I think. Something like that. It was a five minute yeah. game. Yep. So that was the first five minute game I'd ever played where like the, the title was five minute this. There's a few different ones. There's like a five minute dungeon. I think this was five minute Marvel. Um, I want to say there's another one on top of that. But all right. Is it my turn? It now? is. What does Sean have to tell us? Oh, you found it before Aha. I did. I was stalling because I'm like, all right, we're going to do them in order. I'm like, no, we should just alternate. Okay, Sean. Um, I don't know which Sean this is, just Sean, Sean S. The sheep. But <laughs> Sean the sheep. <laughs> he says, my memorable moment in gaming came one night at a game night I hosted. The first house that my wife and I owned and a smaller dining room than we were normal smaller dining room and we have a normal group of eight to nine people always making games for the group difficult to pick eight to nine is a terrible game night group because you have to split up or you just play the same party games over and over but anyway this game we had this game night we had a full house of 10 to 11 people and to close out the night we brought out king of tokyo with the expansion and played one giant game i'm not even sure how this would work but i can imagine so i'm imagining 11 giant monsters. All right, I got this. All right. He says, I can remember getting knocked out early and getting up to be a good host, bringing drinks to the table and cheering on those that rolled bad and good, etc. My wife was playing in this game, though, and she gets very competitive slash excited while playing. It came down to her and one other friend playing. And from her place in her place in Tokyo, she rained down claw dice to our friend for the win. There was this memorable this was memorable in itself, winning against such a big group. The part that everyone there remembers, though, is what happened once she knew she won. From where I had started to look over her shoulder to see the winning die roll, right as she threw both arms and hands in the air in celebration, she had both hands in <laughs> fists to proclaim that victory and instantly collided with my besteckled face, which easily popped out the lens of my glasses from the frame and gave me a black eye. A quick search found the missing lens and the glasses were fixed, but going into work the next day to tell everyone that my wife had beaten me up while winning a board game was more fun. To this day, everyone in our group still jokes to stay away from my wife when she wins a game. <laughs> I love this. If you can't get physical <laughs> violence into a win, especially if King of Tokyo. I mean, the King of Tokyo is all about just like beating on other people. Although I will say that King of Tokyo for a large group... Because there is a limit. I don't know. But maybe this is one of those things that just becomes like a party spectator game and everyone's watching and cheering on one side or the other and getting punched in the face. <laughs> I haven't played it with any of the uh, add-ons. So maybe the the expansions make it a bit easier to manage. For me, King, yeah, for me, King of Tokyo without the expansions is it's a lighter than I'd ever want to play. But when you get start adding a bunch of expansions, it does get quite more, quite a bit more gamified. And I do think, I mean, they're, they played it with a 10 or 12 people. So they had enough 
monsters and i think you can do that you're just you're not going to be in tokyo for that long once it goes around but people start getting knocked out early i don't know this sounds this does sound fun my recommendation sean split into two groups (laughs) (laughs) it's safer be in the group without your wife (laughs) all right Uh, from one sean to another this one is from sean peck Ah. Um, I started listening to you folks a few months after my Kickstarter edition kicked in. I was trying to get my wife more into board games so we would have so I would have a ready playmate. Kitty suggested Carcassonne as a great gateway game. This isn't what I typically go typically go for. No giant robots, no monsters. But I gave it a try. She loved it, and it opened us up to more types of games. My memorable moment was finishing that first game of Carcassonne and her saying, Oh my god, that was fun. Let's do it again. It seemed like a real epiphany for her. So thanks, Kitty, for helping us out. She had only played Monopoly and little kid game prior, ah, little kids games prior to that, and it was the perfect example to lead her into the cooler stuff. I'm teaching her Black Angel tonight. Love you all, and I listen every week without fail. So this was so complimentary Sean, to me. I had to read it. You had to pick it. <laughs> no, that, that's yeah. I love how Sean went from Carcassonne to Black Angel in only two years. That's yeah, we need impressive. your Couch to 5K list there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An episode we keep saying we're going to do, and then we never do. We are not qualified. No, we're not. <laughs> might be. Yeah. Maybe we do another one where it's like, all right, everyone send us in your Couch to 5K. The five games you take from Gateway to, and then we'll pick a game. Actually, let them pick the game. I, yeah, what, what, people... what do you think is the hard yeah. game you're aiming for? What is your version? Hard yeah. 5K. <laughs> Yeah, what is your 5K game? And then what are the five games that would lead up to your 5K game? Ooh, I think we know our next contest. Don't send in yet. I will announce it in the near future when we're ready for it. But I, th- I think, hold on, I have to write that down. 5K <laughs> contest. Boom. This is, all, this is gold, I tell you. Gold. Yeah, I like, like I say, I, I just love the stories about my favorite story is when I got such and such into gaming. They're and definitely my favorites, It too. really does make it. Yeah, it's like it changes not only your life because now you have like this gaming partner, but theirs as well, because now they're able to see a different world that sometimes it's hard to get people directly into, you know, and being able to say this is what did it. And this is, you know, this cross that barrier. Ah, those are great. Hi, right, Fletcher. This yeah, one's longer. So this is from Andrew Fayash. 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 We haven't heard from Andrew in a while. Welcome, Andrew. I'm, I'm just assuming you're out there lurking, lurking and <laughs> just you've been with just us lurking. For forever. Just, you're out there just tell. lurking. Yeah. <laughs> it's called listening, Chris. It's what most people do to podcasts. Um, <laughs> He's whatever. active listening, okay? All you lurkers out there that just listen to us and don't talk back. Actually, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're We love totally you just awesome. as much. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Back to Andrew. So Andrew writes, I have a memorable story that I want to share but not completely a positive one, unfortunately. He prefaces, he prefaces it this way, but I think it's actually pretty positive. I was on a work trip and one of my friend slash co-workers and he had marked on the calendar as a magic release tournament day thing. I had obviously heard of magic, but had avoided playing knowing that it's easy to spend a lot of money on it. He convinced me to play in the tournament and the night before we grabbed a two-player starter set and he taught me how to play. We only played through one and a half games because it was getting late. Being a new release tournament, we had to open a starter pack and a few boosters to build a deck from in 15 minutes. So I had to build a deck for the first time, having only played less than two games. 
Long story short, I did really well and got to the finals having only lost one single game. It's best of three style. The finals were closely matched, it seemed, and all day everyone had been very welcoming of me being a new player and all. Everything was all in good fun till the final. My opponent was nice enough the first game, but after I won that, he cut me no slack. I made three mistakes the following two games and lost them both while having him at low health. One of my mistakes was something that I should have pointed out, something that he should have pointed out, regardless of competition, as it was actually me breaking the rule, but in his favor. I had a flying creature, which I forgot was flying, which is why I didn't choose to attack, but it, ha- but it must attack each turn if able. I went about three turns without getting three f- free damage in each turn, and he only had two health le- left and won the game. After being a little salty at having my new status taken advantage of me, Karma was on my side. The winner got five booster packs or so, and I got three or so for second place. Of the packs, I got a really rare card that I later found out was worth about $150. The guy that beat me turned out to be a collector too. He had a huge binder full of beautiful rare cards and offered me and offered to buy it off of me then and there. I, as politely as I could muster, declined. Lesson is be nice to new players so they so they come back or karma will get you. <laughs> On the side note, a game shop has finally opened near me, only six miles away versus the previous 40 plus miles, and I plan to f- finally picking up Keyforge and playing it there. Keyforge is much friendlier. For now. Well, I'm not going to say that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we may actually do another episode on Keyforge with the current changes and talking about those types of changes and how that may affect gameplay. Um, in, in a nutshell, Keyforge just announced money prizes, ter- money-based, money-prize-based tournaments. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that works and how that has worked out in other games. But this story, Andrew, I think is a good story. Um, it is tricky to be in that, like, I'm going to win this and here's this new player and they just have a better deck than I have. So I could help them play that deck better and beat myself. Or I could say, oh, I'm just not going to say anything and let you make the mistakes. <sighs> it's a hard one. However, I do agree that if the rules specifically say you must do something, I think that you need to enforce those rules regardless. Because then you're just taking advantage of the fact that they don't know the rules and you're beating them on their rules knowledge, not on their playability or their their deck ability. But it's a memorable moment and you still got it. I wonder if, did you sell the card? Are we waiting for him to respond? I know. (laughs) Yes, I'm waiting. Um, Go ahead. We'll wait. Oh, wait. All right. So (laughs) it's my turn again, huh? We are... Oh, yeah, this is our last one. Okay, so this is our ninth story. And then we will share some of our memorable moments, and then we will draw someone from the ninth. We're going to do that live. I'm going to see if I can make Siri say it out loud. That'll be fun. Sometimes it works. (laughs) Yeah. And then we will do a lot drawing for everyone who entered and our patrons as well. So we'll have two different drawings. But first, and this one, this one is... Just read it. It's a tearjerker. Just read it. I'm just going to read it. (laughs) So this is from John Lewis. My board gaming memory is actually the story of how I got into the hobby. When I was in college and grad school, I would have considered myself a casual, serious gamer. I knew a little bit about the hobby, knew some of the more quote-unquote obscure games at the time, Catan, Dominion, etc. I had a mentor who was all in with tabletop gaming, though. At one particular time, I was having a really rough month in school. I was seven years into nine years of school. I missed home, was sick of studying, and just wanted to be done. 
Then, one day, I got a card in the mail from this particular mentor, Shane. He had been in my position a number of years back. The note he wrote me, the notes he wrote me, were some of the most encouraging words that have ever been told to me. And to this day, I have that card on my bookshelf and return to it when I'm having a rough day. At the end of the note, Shane wrote this sentence. When you come home, you always have a place at the game table. Keep the faith, keep your chin up. Unfortunately, I never got a chance to take him up on that offer, because soon after he wrote me this note, he passed away of a heart attack. However, his words, his kindness, his love of the community, and his love of tabletop gaming inspired me a desire to really get into gaming, not just to have a hobby or as a way to have fun, but as a way to grow in relationships with other people. Because for me, this is ultimately what gaming is about. Since then, I have gotten way more into the hobby. I'm I'm known as a gamer among all of my friends and family, discovering your podcast, and have found a deep love of all things gaming. None of this would have happened without the examples of this man and the words of encouragement he wrote me in that card all those years ago. Like, I I don't even know how to respond to this. It's a good one. It's a good one. John, thank you for for sharing that. And I mean, ultimately, what you say here is exactly right. It's, It's not about winning or losing. It's about the community that you're playing with. And if you're playing with other people that feel that same way, it doesn't matter what you're playing or how well you're doing or not doing, you're going to be having an enjoyable time. Usually, most of the time, <laughs> unless your wife punches you in the face. Sometimes even when your wife punches you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes even when. <laughs> All right. So we wanted to share a couple of our stories as well. Um, Kitty, why don't you go first? Okay. So my moment that I thought of when I was given this assignment was the last game we played of Pandemic Pandemic Legacy Season 1. And really that whole like cumulative experience of pandemic legacy season one, because that was the first time I had ever like finished a campaign style game because Chris is my GM and he is unable to finish campaigns because he gets way too excited about the new story. (laughs) That's not true. That's just the last campaign I finished. You weren't playing in it. Yeah. The one, the one that you finished, I wasn't in. (laughs) (laughs) But this was really fun because it felt like I had really accomplished something and we got to the end of it and we had, it was a full story. It was a beginning, a middle, an end, and we had all accomplished something together and it just made me want to play so many more games and to feel that feeling of accomplishment more and to keep getting to the table. And we still talk about that Pandemic Legacy game and how much fun that was and how it brought us together so much more often than other games because it was like, we need to know what happens next. And that was just a great, great one. It's one of the things I really like about campaign board games that have a set number of games that you're going to play is it encourages you to keep playing it multiple times. Unlike standalone games where it's like, okay, I might play this, but I don't, there's no urgency for me to come back and play it, even if it was a great game. With a campaign game, there's like an urgency to figure out what's going to happen next. Let's let's find the next thing that's going to push us along. So I like it. All right. So I had two. I'm going to save Fletcher's for last because I think it's a good capper. But I had two. The first one I am was going to tell about my story, my D&D story. We had a lot of stories on role-playing games. Um, I don't think we picked as many of them. We picked a couple. But there was a ton of people that sent in memories about role-playing games and and... 
both of my biggest memories are from role-playing games. And again, I think it has the same thing where you get invested emotionally. So you start to get memories start to form as if they are real. Not that they're not real memories. They're, they are real memories, but it just feels like you actually lived through it. Um, but since I'm knowing the DM, I have to live vicariously through other people. So the first story, which Joe actually wrote a, st- a similar story about this particular thing. Um, I was playing in a game store and one of, there was a group of players and there was two kids in it. And one of the players, he, he couldn't have been like, I think it was like six. And he was one of a crazy barbarian, awesome kid to play with because he just, you know, he told you what he wanted to do and you just let him do it. And he was riding the back of a worm and as things happen in a temple of undead evil, as as you do. And he wanted to try to do something. I'm like, okay, you can do this. And then it ended up knocking him out. And the next round, I'm like, all right, now you need to make a death save. And if you fail, if you roll less than a 10, your character will die. Are you okay with that? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah. He's like, all right. So he rolls the die. It comes up a four. He looks at me and just starts crying. <laughs> like, instantaneous tears. So I immediately had to, on the spot, come up with a way of bringing him back to life. I'm like, oh, but you're in an undead temple and the undead forces have brought you back to life as at the, this was fourth edition D and D. So they had just released a new undead character class. And so I'm like, and your brother will help you create a new character and you can come back and play your character then. And then he was all excited because he got to come back, but yeah, making kids cry there. It's memorable. It's not fun, but it's definitely memorable. <laughs> um, and then the other D and D story, I'm pretty sure I've had to have talked, said this on the podcast too um this was how not i didn't meet sydney so there's the way i met sydney was actually playing a game too she was playing a game of werewolf i was moderating it she got voted out and then um we started talking but so that's the story that she will tell like as to how we met which is true but what we ended up talking about was like oh you should come play D with me at the game store so she came to the next weekend she came to the game store but the thing was she was dating the guy who worked at the game store and when I got there, she was talking to him at that time. So I'm like, oh, all right, she's here. She was talking to him, whatever. And then she's, no, 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 I'm here to play d and I'm like, okay, great. So we started playing D&D, and she's, she's a very um, – she likes to push the limits of what you can do with your character. And she was fighting these witches that had turned into alligators, and she was a gnome. And for some reason, she went unconscious – and then she critically failed her death save. This, both of these are death saves in TND. And she was in the very first session I've ever played with her. She got eaten by a crocodile and her character died. She then texted me a few days later saying, hey, can you help me build a new character this Saturday night at your favorite bar? And I'm like, sure. So I brought all my D&D books. And again, I didn't think we were on a date because she was dating the guy at the game store. And even though she had mentioned the date a couple times and we never actually broke out the books at all. um, (laughs) Yeah, that was... She'll tell you that was her first date. That was the most memorable. Yeah. I found retroactively that it was our first (laughs) date. So we're married now and have a kid. So it all worked out. But that's basically like, if I have to pick the best gaming memory, it's that series of, you know, meeting your wife over gaming is pretty good. All right, Fletcher. Um, so I don't have like a particular memory. It's just kind of like a group of memories that all lumped together. So my grandfather, um, I always got really excited visiting my grandfather because I liked board games a lot when I was a kid, but I was an only child. I didn't really have anybody to play them with. I had a huge stack of board games, you know, all the classic board games, Risk, Stratego, Monopoly, Life, all, you know, all that stuff. But I had no one to play them with. Um, 
but my grandfather also really liked board games. So when I would go over to his house growing up, we would play board games together. Um, and I just have like super really fond, great memories of playing board games with my grandfather. Um, usually like Monopoly because that's what I wanted to play at the time, but other times like Risk or whatever. Um, and then just like, I don't know why, but like he, he loved ice cream. So I always remember like eating ice cream and drinking root beer. That was like some of his like favorite stuff. Um, so I just have like just really good memories of doing that with my grandfather when I was a little kid. That's awesome. <sighs> all right. I will say that almost all these memories, all these memorable moments, the common thread is the other people, the people you're playing with. It's not the game. Yeah. It's the people. Yeah. And it really is like, you know, I won this game. Like, there's a couple. It's like, oh, I won this game. And this is, it's the other stories are like, this person won this game and I was witnessing it mm-hmm. and I watched that or I was a part of it or rarely are our most memorable moments how how you triumphed every once in a while it is oh i was down the entire game and no one thought i could win and you know the very last turn but even I, then I did it, which everyone's is excited about it with you yeah yep. i'm telling you it's all yeah. about the community the people and bringing people in bringing them together and having these moments with them yep. except for andrews that one was just <laughs> but i like it anyway <laughs> hey in the beginning it was his friend co-worker who brought him in yeah and he's really excited that he was doing really well because first time playing a game yeah yeah Uh, don't get me wrong i love spite (laughs) i love doing things for spite i love memories of spite it's one of my favorite emotions but uh yeah all right we're gonna see if this works i'm going to attempt to do this on my watch (laughs) and if it doesn't work then we're just gonna roll a die hey siri generate a number between one and nine all right it worked so i've numbered these in the order that I read them, but it's not the order that they're in the document. So now I'm going to go through here. And for people doing math sooner, they'll already know that Michael Yanikowski was number five. Congratulations. Yay. All right, Michael, email me and let me know if you want a Cool Stuff Inc. or Amazon gift card, and I will get that to you faster than it would have been last week because I'm actually (laughs) not on the ship. All right. And for our other winner... Everybody is in it except for Michael. So Michael can't win. But everybody's going to be in it. And we are going to generate, including all our patrons. So we're generating a random number that is not something I can do right now. And in fact, we are all going to cheer for the winner that is Jason Marks. Yay! Yay! Congratulations! And in case you can't tell, I've inserted the name <laughs> to that cheering. So. <laughs> You're ruining the magic, Chris. I just to make sure that no. <laughs> I like ruining magic. Okay. So that is our memorable moments episode. Um, I do want to give Sydney a thanks for this suggestion. She's like, you know, you guys should do something like a memorable moments, like games that are like that cause memorable moments and stuff. And like, we've done that before. I so I sort of switched it over to let's just hear what people have to say, and we've got like I said we got a bunch of great so ones. many good ones and so many that we're we going to use not, in other situations I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, if we did not read yours, it's not because it wasn't great. Um, David Gardner starts his with Monopoly. No, wait, hear me out. It's not that bad. <laughs> honest, <laughs> like that's how his story starts, and it's a great story. And now everyone wants to hear it. Um, I really liked Rachel's. We have a too. lot of like. There's so many good ones here, but we had to. We yeah. couldn't have like a nine hour long podcast. We had to cut it off somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, but we're going to share a few of these. Some of these may 
be topic starters. Like a lot of this stuff like gives me ideas about, oh, we should talk about this particular thing. Um, so yeah, Joe Rack's dad was made his, his son's friend cry in a game of <laughs> risk. That's that, that happens. Um, but yeah, so anyway, there's so many cool things that so many good stories and thank you everyone for sending them in and congratulations to both of our winners. Uh, let's see. We have one more convention this year. And to be completely honest, this is game hole con coming up in a month, just under a month. This is October 31st to November 3rd. Last, the last two years we've had a table there and we've been hosting games there this year. I have been terrible at, <laughs> doing all of the things. So I don't know if we're going to have a table or if we'll be hosting games. Uh, something I'll, I'll look into this week. I don't think it's too late to add some games to the list. So, But we will be there because we've signed up to play some games and we can always find a table and play with anyone who wants to be there. There's a few people we see there every year and we're looking forward to seeing them. Um, so we will be there. That's Game Holcon. It's in Madison, Wisconsin. If you've not gone to a convention and you're in the area, this is a great convention to go to. So check that out. Otherwise, I think we have, this is a show and we're we're back. We're back. We skipped one episode in a hundred and or one week in 160 weeks or so. We we're fine. Totally back on track. <laughs> and then Kitty and I have to do the news in a week. And I'll Ooh. still be in London. And now it all starts. Again. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. That's all right. We sh- we that's easier to do, I think. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Honestly, your internet connection is we'll better in London out. than it is at, in your house. Hey, <laughs> it it is. I'm staying at a very nice so hotel. I'm very happy there. about this hotel, mostly because <laughs> the curtains actually close all the way and really block out the sun. Amazing. Nice, and it has good internet, which is I don't even believe you're at a hotel. Shout out to the Dixon Tower Bridge. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that in London, almost all of the hotels are like these little names that you've never heard of before. So anyway, I digress. <laughs> I will have to do this so that we can we can actually end. Maybe we'll do this after the credits. So you can follow us on Facebook at Tabletop Game Talk Podcast, Twitter at Tabletop Game TLK. Kitty is Thoughtful Good Mom. Fletcher is Net Fletch. I am Game Master Chris. Leave us a review or check us out on tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon if you want to be entered in all of our contests without having to do anything. You just sit there and we'll add your name to a hat. Actually, it's to a Google Sheet. But anyway, kidding. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening. And remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons, Adam Harrison, the SJC, Jason Strong, Terrence Milner, Stephen Seitz, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Wong, Stephen, or Stephen Phillips, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrett, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Schwartzel, Ann Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Nate, Faz Lintham, Sean Peck, Eric Zylander, Mike Smith, Trevor Davis, Tim Verdeg, Chris Lowe. Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Cotter, Jesse Wolkowiak, Emil Jewel Jacobson, Marina Stevens, Brady Meltzer, Gregory Huber, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Ver- Verholst, Christopher Letko, John Lewis, Joe Rackstad, Ron Nelson, Neil McLaughlin, Sahara Wentworth, Weatherman Keith, and Nicholas Lotz. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. Oh, and Eric Huffman now has a wife.
since our last oh, episode that's aired. Exciting. Congratulations. So they got married. Congratulations, Eric and Mary. Yeah, they got married, I think, the week before our cruise. So two weeks ago. And I haven't seen them since, but I should see them this Wednesday. So, yep. Forge some keys. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. 